I'm Jay Mac. And I'm Jess. And you're listening to Base Code Podcast. G'day, g'day. There it is. There was your signature. My new signature. It's funny because I never actually say g'day in real life. In Straya. It's just something I do for the podcast. Yeah, I think I just say hi or hey, but I need to give a bit of Aussie flavor. Yeah. I do like hey I'll do hey and howdy, even though like I'm not from Texas. I'll do howdy a lot. I don't know why. Yeah, that sounds like a Texas thing. I don't, I've never been, but I feel like it's something that like, you know, Woody from Toy Story? Yes, I know Woody. It's like a cowboy thing to say, right? Howdy. And I guess cowboys in Texas. Yeah. Is that robot guy? No, not robot guy. I don't know what he would say. Toy guy? Is it toy, <laughs> toy guy? guy? No, he's Woody. <laughs> I've seen Toy Story. I know Toy he's Story. He's Woody. <laughs> I got, I got kind of a funny story uh, that that reminded me of about Woody, but I don't know if it would require us like marking this podcast explicit or something. Oh, jeez. I'm going to tell it anyway, and we can always cut it out. Okay. Okay, so we were having a yard sale one time. A mom, she loves yard sales, and she loves our own yard sales the best because we put out, you know, all of our like child toys or whatever, you know, and we're like 30 years old now, so it's, you know. We're obviously not using those anymore, but we put out some Toy Story stuff, and one of them was Woody. Right. And this lady came by, and she was going through all the toys, and it was like me and my buddy or something, and we were sitting there manning the register at that point in time, and she just said, how much for your Woody? (laughs) And my buddy just like... (laughs) He just like started dying laughing and i'm like you know i'm trying to be like polite but of course like the 15 year old boy inside of me is just like also just cracking up and yep. it was bad i'm so. sure you had yeah a few different funny comebacks you could have made yeah i just said like 50 cents or something like nice but yeah in my mind i had some other things i probably could have said <laughs> well i don't think we'll have to mark that one as as explicit hopefully yeah, I don't it's in, know. It's innuendo, so it's treading the line. <laughs> in, yeah, yeah. So. Cool, all right. Anyway, yeah. So, Laravel release day for you today, for me yesterday. Oh, yeah. Well, you're kind of waking up into it. It wasn't yesterday for you, technically, because it wasn't Well, I think, like, yeah, late last night it happened. The date was out. The date was out, yeah, but I don't know. Like, on paper, it was yesterday for you. Yes, but you didn't experience the Laravel 8 release yes, yesterday. I feel like it came up before I went to bed, but maybe it didn't. Yeah, you're probably right. Roughly. I mean, it's tagged on GitHub. Yes, I trust me. I sit there and refresh the page so I can prepare for the onslaught of shifts. Yeah, no, I, don't, I don't doubt that you know when it was released. I'm just wondering how you know when it was released in relation to my bedtime. Because I don't even know what time I went to bed last night. Oh, well, I just assumed there was a rather large block of time that you you know would have been sleeping but you're right yeah you could have been awake at 3 a.m and watched it i stayed up until 2 a.m thank you very much the night before last to attend a vim conference so (laughs) oh i saw dorinda (laughs) tweet about that too that was awesome that's good yeah well yeah anyway as far as the um release yeah it was good it was good so yeah maybe we could round out kind of this episode with maybe some quick little streamlines that might be available in laravel 8 now and also just kind of talk about laravel 8 in general yeah the features that excite us and all that yeah and i'll give it like a little bit of a twist maybe and just talk about some of the automation that shift does because i know the other day there was at least one person that asked me on Twitter, but then someone else mentioned it, I think during Laracon, and was just like, oh, you should talk about how Shift works more. So yeah. 
also, we've got a pretty cool new feature oh, yeah. in Shift that we can talk about too. The Can I Upgrade Laravel Yet? Can I Upgrade Laravel Yet? <laughs> I mean, the answer is yes, you can upgrade Laravel, but it's, you know, are your dependencies holding you back? Yes. Yeah. That should be like the subheading. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that for a sec then? Since you, you kind of kicked out that MVP pretty quick, that was awesome. Yeah, so you kind of hit me up about this a little while ago and wanted to have some way where people can enter like a package string and find out if it supports the latest version of Laravel. The iteration process kind of landed with now you can paste in your entire composer.json or just a partial bit of your composer.json, even if it's not valid JSON. Yeah. Or you can pass in a package string on its own or a comma separated, new lines, whatever. Paste in packages versions and it will tell you if they support laravel 8 7 6 and going forward eventually laravel 9 and so on yeah and behind the scenes this is looking up in your database because you're now tracking i think you always have tracked quite a few community packages but several of them but not as many as we're tracking now yeah yeah and so i guess every hour or so you like just do a sweep through github and see if they have been updated to support Laravel 8. So now you can find out whether you can upgrade to Laravel 8 without having to actually do it manually and get Composer dependency upgrade hell. So yeah. Yeah, that's kind of been one of the biggest things with Shift. It's funny, Shift has really become a pretty well-oiled machine, like as far as upgrading the code. Like I always challenge myself to do, you know, more advanced pieces of that internally. And again, we might talk on some of that here in a minute but what's really become kind of the biggest challenge now are more things outside of shift or even your code base like dependencies so you go and you upgrade and your code runs fine but then you go to run yeah. a composer update and it's like oh you know 50 lines of composer gibberish and then like this dependency depends on this you know 75,000 version output yeah and normally it's a dependency you've never even heard of that's blocking you because it's exactly yeah. it's like a sub one or something else yeah so it's it's kind of annoying and uh you know it, it can really be frustrating when like those one just this one package is holding you up and unless you really want to spend an hour or two kind of like forking the package you know, overwriting its version, hacking Composer to say like whatever as this version, because I know it's compatible. It's just, it's pretty annoying. So, and it's not really Shift's fault and it's not the developer's fault and it's really not even the package author's fault per se. No. It's um, just the nature of it. It's just kind of the way the world is. Yeah. Yeah. So. Especially like on day one of like Laravel 8 release, right? Like. Yeah, exactly. If we're six months in the future and you still can't, then I'll start to blame the package authors maybe, but. Yes, for every day that goes on, you can start to blame the package author more. I would be willing to say that, yes. Yeah. But but like one minute after release, or even before release, uh, yeah. you'll even see some comments sometimes. So yeah, so that that was fun uh, to do because again, I you know Shift is about helping people upgrade, and whether you you know use it or not, the automation. Like I still want to build tools that kind of help the community, you know, stay up to date. And I think this was just one of those no-brainers, like you said, that you and I had talked about for a while. So I'm glad to see it like come to life and start to take some shape. Yeah, and like you say, this is a, you know, this you don't have to be a Shift user to take advantage of this. Um, it's, it's there for everyone, so. Yeah, and what's nice is it's actually just one side of the coin or one side of the issue. You know, we're helping developers see if they can upgrade, 
But of course, we want you to be able to upgrade. So the other side that I that I kind of focused on while you focused on the front end was submitting these PRs to these packages that we track and the ones that are missing support for Laravel 8 shift will automatically send them a pull request, at least bumping their version and kind of noting the common features in that latest version of Laravel that they might want to check for. Yeah, get them started. And I have seen some of those get merged today. So that's that's been nice. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. And again, that's something that everyone benefits from, not just exactly. you know, shift users. So. Yeah. And if you do come and you use this tool and like a month from now, one of those is still not supported, hopefully you could at, at least at that point say, okay, well, I'm going to use shifts fork of it. You don't have to go forking it yourself and like, yeah, exactly. You know, bumping all the versions and crap like it, you might be able to just use shifts temporarily until the package author, you know, gets back to it. Yeah. So I think it's cool. I hope it helps. Sweet. So yeah, it's a pretty, pretty exciting feature. And I think, uh, I think there's some more stuff we can do with it in the future as well to make it even cooler. Yeah. But as far as Laravel 8, uh, I'll kick us off with a couple of streamlines that I liked. And, and one of them, of course, I'm a little biased about uh, because when I was down at Taylor's, I was kind of chatting with him about a couple of these, you know, different ideas or streamlines. So one of them is the exception handler. I really like this concept that you can register exceptions. And Taylor demoed this uh, in LayerCon the other week. Uh, but just for those that maybe hadn't seen that video or didn't get a ticket or whatever, basically you can now register them in like these shorthand closures. You don't have to necessarily make a custom error. It doesn't even have to be an error that you own, so to speak, inside of your yeah. application. You can just say Stripe card error and do this, report this, or render this. Uh, and it's really nice. You don't have to have a bunch of if statements in your report, like you know a lot of people were doing. Instance of, yeah. You can just kind of register this closure callback, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty awesome, that one. Yeah, so that's a nice little like true streamline there, I think. Yeah, I really like the model factory classes. I think that's got so much potential, particularly for testing, obviously, because the way you would make different like states, I guess as they call it, like factory states before, was it worked well, but I think this is just a lot nicer because now you don't have these kind of magic strings that you're passing around to say, oh, I want a admin user versus a regular user. You can kind of now just, you know, chain these methods on to, to factory classes. So, yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot of good streamlines to be had there. I think it makes a lot more sense. And we can link to the Titan post that I think probably kicked this off like years ago. And there's been all sorts of generators out there, too. I know Christoph kind of had one and, and yeah. other people as well. But yeah, I'm glad to see them kind of become like a first class thing inside the framework. Because yeah, I think once you really get into testing, you start to use states and different definitions, or you'll end up doing like a lot of world building. And, and sure, cedars can get you a certain amount of the way. I know there was a big chat about that on Twitter a couple months back, like, oh, I just use cedars. Like, what's the problem? In the tests, yeah. Yeah, and, and you can definitely do it that way, but you're still going to want to make probably a one-off factory here or there. And when that factory is like deeply related to other pieces of your code, I mean, you just end up having like 20 lines of setup to like get all that built correctly, you know? Yeah, here's an interesting question. Can Shift switch you to a model factory class from the old style? Because that seems hard. It does. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, the Laravel 8 shift does. So, yeah, so I guess getting into shift just for a second, and we'll go back to some of these streamlines. But, like, so I always try to take the previous version of a Laravel new and make it look like you ran Laravel new on the latest version. 
Yeah. That's always the goal. So all of the features that are, haven't been deprecated that you don't strictly have to upgrade, mm-hmm. you still get upgraded with Shift, which is nice for yeah. people like me that kind of, as soon as there's like a new way of doing it, I kind of feel like that's now the official way. And exactly. I want everything to be like that. So. And Shift's been pretty steadfast on that. It kind of got a lot of crap in the beginning. People saying like, oh, well, I, I didn't want that. Yeah. I think that's gone away because one i think people realize well i actually do want that yeah <laughs> but then two the inertia of the framework it it gets you there anyway so even if you don't want to do uh for example array or string class methods you're going to sooner or later because you know the framework's going to drop them yeah and with something like like factories if you don't upgrade them you're kind of in this situation where you've got to decide whether you, like when you need to create a new factory, do you create another one in the old style or do you then have this mixture of like new style and old style? Exactly. And it's just nasty. In fairness, Laravel's pretty good about making certain things optionals. Oh, you you can, yeah. But like, do you want to have a mixture of like old factories and new factories? Like, That's the gripe that I have. And, and I think, you know, we might have said this in the last episode. So for, forgive the repeating. But, you know, that's that's why you can get away with saying something like, oh, the, the upgrade's simple. It's just composer update or it just takes you 10 minutes. Well, sure. But maybe at Laravel 9, when, you know, the old factory way of yeah. doing thing is gone, well, that upgrade's not going to take you 10 minutes. That one's going to take you four hours. Yeah, it really depends on your definition of upgrade, I guess. Like for me, yeah. I want it to be as if I had always written my app with Laravel 8 from the from the get-go using yeah. Laravel 8 conventions and standards. So Yeah, and that's what Shift tries to do. The only thing it won't do that on is if it's something that's likely to break your application. So for example, Laravel 8 resurrected the app models folder and... Yeah. That's not something that shift the Laravel 8 shift will do for two reasons. One, I know that's definitely one of those opinionated things. And two, depending on polymorphic relationships and whatever, it's pretty likely that that would end up breaking your application. Is this like if you've used like the string of the class name in the in the relationship rather than using like the the colon colon class? Like statically analyzable version, or is it break anyway? Well, even if you use even if you use that, it's still going to store that class oh, as a string yeah. reference. There's a way to override that, but yeah. Yes, morph map. Morph map. Yeah, I love morph map because yeah. I always feel weird having like a PHP class name in my database. Yeah, exactly. So if you use morph map, then you never have to worry about it. And the the docs have recommended using morph map for a long time now. So if I could trust that people again were doing that and doing those conventions, then I would probably make the Laravel 8 upgrade shift do it. Yeah. But the point is there's already a free namespace shift that's been out there for a while, the namespace model shift, and that does a better job of checking for morph map and kind of gives you that full-on warning of like check your database if yeah. you're doing any kind of interesting with string references. I also feel like the whole models app models thing I'm just really glad that it will now auto detect it because I work on a few different projects and some have models directory, some don't. And sure. I always know when using like the scaffolding tools, it was just an absolute pain. Like artisan make model, if it was in the models directory, and then you had to move it. Yeah, and yeah. I mostly use Blueprint now, so I don't, I don't use the make commands that yeah, often. Yeah, I really anymore. need to get onto onto Blueprint. Well, just because I'm I'm normally generating more. Like if you're generating a one-off command or a one-off piece of middleware, absolutely, Artisan's awesome. 
But yeah. yeah, you're right. Even then I'll get a little confused on sometimes like the order or whatever. But anyway, so yeah, back to shift to answer your question though. Yes, it upgrades uh, to model factory classes and it'll convert your test code to use the new factory streamlined syntax as well. Very, very cool. Yeah. And it does that with the abstract syntax tree. So it parses your factories, reads out the class, reads out any state names, and then reads out the closure of your definition and converts that, takes that body of code and then converts it into what it needs to be to be a class-based version. Yeah. So you pretty much got like some of the refactoring tools you might see in an IDE. You've kind of got like custom opinionated yeah. versions of those sorts of things. Yeah. There's basically a very large like shift God class that's wrapped behind a facade. It's nice. much like carbon. Okay. So like you just say carbon diff for humans or whatever, you know, or now yeah. or yesterday or compare. I mean, there's just hundreds of methods, right? Yeah. That just do all That's different the way shift things. is. It's like shift, find models, you know, shift, add trait, shift, add namespace, you know, stuff like that. Nice. So. Cool. Well, I have actually had a turn of Jetstream and nice. I don't want to like go over it too much, but I haven't actually used Livewire before or Inertia. So this was kind of like my first jump into that as well. And I've been pretty blown away by the whole Jetstream and Livewire experience in terms of letting it like letting me focus on just building an app rather than, you know, worrying about so many of these other bits and pieces building something that yeah. feels kind of like an SPA, but not having to write an API is pretty sweet. Yeah. It's kind of funny though, right? Like every time you switch to some new bit of tech, you end up like, it makes some like really hard things super easy. And then you'll get like stuck in the weeds on basic stuff, like route model binding. I got stuck with how to like make that work with Livewire. And I'm like, if this was Laravel, I'd know exactly what's going wrong. I could find it. Um, sure. So it was this really interesting experience of like being mind blown of how easy I could do this complex thing. And then just because it's new to me, it's like, I can't do the basics sometimes. So yeah, that was fun. I didn't, I didn't realize it was Jetstream at the time, but like Taylor was showing me some of those screens, Yeah, nice. which Maybe is it true. Cool Jetstream then. <laughs> yeah. But it didn't, it didn't really have that you know, name yet, or it was still secret maybe. So, but yeah, I remember thinking, oh, those screens are like real fresh. Yeah, so. it's like the stuff you get out of the box, like the two-factor authentication and like logging out other browser sessions, the yeah. team stuff. I think it's only a matter of time until I backport a lot of that stuff into Shift. Because, yeah, I mean, you've even helped build some of those like Shifty plan and team and stuff that's going on now with some of the subscription part of Shift. And then like, yeah, with the new Stripe dashboard, like I don't want to do any billing. So like... You know, when I first yeah. built Shift, it, there was no Spark. There was none of this stuff. So, like, you know, I just use Stripe Checkout and then have been slowly bolting things on. So it's fine. You know, it's all been very MVP. But now that there are some cleaner, full solutions. And because, like, I guess, like, Shift has stood the test of time. It's, like, sometimes you need to reinvest into your code and pay off that stuff that's become technical debt now. Yeah, I think that'd be a good a good separate episode. Maybe like the next mini series, we'll go back to something like that, like a products slash business one. Yeah. But it'll have to wait till probably early next year because I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a dad soon. Little little mini J Maquette. <laughs> 
there'll be a J-Maggette. Her name uh, is going to be Isabella Rose. Adorable. I love it. Yeah, it's fun. So, yeah. So, I'll get her on, like, the baby Bjorn right here. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, on the podcast. Yeah, she can. Maybe, maybe in January, yeah. Sweet. So, will she be Izzy She'll for be... short? Oh, yeah. For me, she nice. will be. Ashley likes Ella. Oh, I love the name Ella. Yeah. So, for me, she'll be little Izzy forever. Izzy. Yeah. Probably. I've got so many different names for my kids, like nicknames. Yeah. I just pull them out. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> it's total total tangent. Well, just give us 30 seconds here. I'm, I'm dad now, soon to be dad. But like, um, I really, we really agreed on the fact that we wanted a name to that could have nicknames. So like yeah. Isabella's pretty fancy name on its own in fairness. But like, you're never really going to use the full name per se. You know, you're going to use. Except when she's in trouble. A version of it. Maybe, but I might not even put the A on it. Then I might be like, Isabel. <laughs> so, yeah. but yes, true. So, yeah. But yeah, it is nice having, I don't know, those little pet names. Yeah. Well, and plus when you're a kid, I think you have different points in time and different identities. You know, maybe you want to be more grown up than you are or less grown up or yeah, fun true. or, yeah. you know what I mean? I, I wanted a name that was pretty dynamic. I even now, like... If I'm wanting to be more formal or, I don't know, I'll f- sign my emails as, like, Jessica. Oh, yeah. But, like, most of the time it's just Jess. <laughs> yeah. Or for me, like, you know, going by J-Mac, like, because there's not much you can do with Jason. It's like Jason or J. J, yeah. I, I did J in college. Okay. So, I think someone tried Jace one time and I was like, Jace. nah. I like Jace. But, yeah. Nope. Nope. Vito. Vito, fair enough. I won't call you Jace. <laughs> All right, well, let's finish up this because clearly, clearly this episode has gone off the rails. We kind of just want, I wanted to end on a nice even 30, even though 29 is actually kind of like my favorite number. Oh, interesting. Is that like related to a football thing or? Uh, or d- my date birth, birth date birth is date. 29. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So, so yeah, anyway, um, it's one of, one of my favorite numbers. So one more thing um, that I liked, or well, two more quick things kind of related. So there are uh, dispatching of closures now, and you can catch those closures yeah. if there's an error. So you can basically like kind of do like a tiny little inline job almost. Yeah. So that's, that's a streamline in fairness. I do uh, wonder how that will look in something like, like say a failed jobs table. Like yeah, it's going to be hard good... to kind of distinguish it from the other like well-named jobs. So... Yeah, that's a good know. call. I'd have to test that out and see kind of like what it looked like. But in a pinch, if you wanted to like dispatch some code to run, you know, yeah. separately queuable or whatever and potentially handle an error related to it, that's a that's a real thin way to do it. It's kind of like how you can define like, you know, you can build your entire application in routes.php or routes slash web.php these days if you wanted to. Sure. And sometimes for yeah. early MVPs of stuff, it's like, yeah, I don't want to go through the trouble of building the whole thing i just want to test an idea so that's probably where i would use something like that i can't imagine i mean i'll probably be like saying in you know a year's time that these things are the best in the world but right now i feel like i wouldn't want to use them in my kind of like production code but yeah (laughs) yeah i think it's i think for me it's more of that case again where you just had this very very tiny pocket of code that you wanted to again maybe dispatch and throw off yeah so and who knows, maybe they, the closures on the queue actually look really, look really good. So, Yeah. The other one is uh, 
the event listeners. Uh, so I think we were even talking about this last time, how like sometimes events are kind of heavy. By the time you go make the event object and you make the listener and you register it and you fire it, it's just like five different spots where the code is. Yeah. And so like now there's like this event listen closure that can automatically um, infer from the type hint uh, the appropriate event yeah. uh, that it's supposed to be working with. The only problem I kind of have with, like, it's not a problem, I guess. It's it's more a so personality fault of my own is if there's multiple ways to do something, I can find that a bit paralyzing. It's like, oh, which way is like the best way or the right way? So sometimes I like when it's like there's just one Laravel way of doing something and I don't have to make a decision. So yeah, yeah. some of these things kind of just give me more decision paralysis. Philosophically, I totally agree. And it kind of goes back to kind of that hybrid state of being upgraded. Like you're, you're kind of like 7.5, you know, you're not really yeah. eight. You're kind of like right in, I totally agree. And, you know, earlier, I think like the very binary programmer in me would want to be like, okay, well, it's either on or off, right? Like you yeah. can either do it or you can't. And in a way also, as a maintainer of, of certain, you know, SaaS products or, or open source projects, nowhere near the scale of Laravel necessarily. But still, you know, it'd be nice to not have to waste energy kind of making this in-between version and just being able to go like, okay, here's the new way Laravel is going to be doing it, you know? Yeah, but with some of these things, though, like, they don't feel like, like, say for the dispatchable closures i don't feel like that's like now the new official like primary way sure. of doing jobs it's kind of like just an extra way you can do it and it's maybe not even still like the main way you would do it and well the the thing is we don't know no. so as someone you know who's seen every single version you know back starting with 4.2 all the way up and seen kind of what felt that way in 5.1 and then either fell out or became the way yeah. You know, it's it's an interesting evolution is the, is the point I'm making. Yeah. And these days I try not to turn my nose up at anything because like sure. tools like Tailwind and Alpine have kind of taught me that sometimes things that smell bad initially, it's actually like just a much nicer way to work, even though it doesn't, you know, conform to what I thought is the right way to do something. So I'm pretty open minded yeah. now. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm I'm making no judgment one way or the other, only saying again that like, I agree with you kind of philosophically, like, yeah, I wish it was kind of like, oh, this is just the new way because yeah. I would just deal with it, you know, and spend the time to change whatever code I was doing before. But sometimes there are a lot of choices. Yeah. And most of the time, I don't have a preference. Like, I don't actually really care which way i just want to know i don't know the official way i want that decision made for me so sure. i can focus on decisions that actually matter to what i'm building exactly i think you and i are in the same camp as it relates to that so yeah. but you're always going to have just these little one-off ways here or there that you need to be able to do something and i do think with all of the like the commercial products that laravel has now so much of these things are bred out of out of the need for those like think of all the things that came into laravel core just to support something like vapor right yeah yeah so Sweet. anyway one final thing i want to mention just to bring it all full circle uh are the back offs in jobs so like you can actually do like this exponential like exponential back off, back off. yeah because previously yeah. you could kind of 
it wasn't exponential, right? You could say try three times. You could, I think, if you overwrote if you overwrote the retry method and you retry after, I think, before, and you put some logic in there based on the job number and stuff, you could do it yourself. So that like each time it fails, you like push exactly. it push the retry further into the future. Yeah. But now it's just like an array. Yeah. A lot of times like a failure, like particularly if you're hitting like an API, sometimes it's just a blip. So you want that retry to happen pretty much straight away because chances are it's going to succeed the second time. Exactly. But like if it doesn't succeed the second time, it's maybe like a longer downtime and you don't want to like just use up all 10 retries in 10 seconds. You like want to say, try like two times immediately and then wait for like 10 minutes before the next try and so on. Exactly. And so again, to tie this all together, also with a little bit of shift, I really like this feature because that's actually what powers those automated PRs to the package authors. Ah. Because this job has to go out to create a you know pull request on mm-hmm. any kind of open source project. You have to fork that project on mm-hmm. GitHub, which is a process which takes a second. So what I do is I trigger a job to open the PR, but if the fork hasn't been created yet, then the job actually fails while the fork is being made on GitHub. And GitHub's API says it can take up to five minutes. So I do an exponential back off after that initial try to wait 300 seconds effectively. Okay. Or a little bit more. I give it a little wiggle room and yeah. then it tries again. And then if that didn't work, I wait like 10 minutes and then... So by the third time, the PR eventually gets created and gone through. So at most, 10 minutes after someone goes and checks this page and says, oh, this one's missing. Can you open a PR for it? You'll have a PR within 10 minutes. Nice. So, cool. Sweet. Well, I think that, I mean, there's so much stuff in this release, but oh yeah, those were kind of like the exciting things for me. And there's plenty of other podcasts that cover new Laravel release stuff, the Laravel yeah, podcast. Yeah, we don't want to step forth. on... Uh, on yeah. Michael and Jake's toes. <laughs> we just wanted to round out the numbers of this mini series. So thank you all again for listening. And next time, uh, hopefully early 2021, uh, maybe, maybe we'll fire some off around Christmas. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so let us know what you'd like to hear about next time. And uh, hopefully there won't be a, a baby crying in the background. Hopefully there will. Maybe just for a tiny bit. <laughs> and then we'll edit it out. Fair enough. Well, yeah, I hope all that goes well. I'm sure I'll talk to you before that because, you know, we chat all the time. But from all of us as the audience, I hope it all goes well. I know. I'm I'm nervous, excited. I'm like, uh, what's his name? Owen Wilson in uh, Armageddon where he's like, I'm like 90% nervous, (laughs) 10% excited. Or is it 90% excited, 10% nervous? I don't know. (laughs) Cool. All right. All right. Catch ya. See ya. Show notes for this episode can be found at basecodefieldguide.com slash 30.